listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. We're in the series uh, called Unashamed, and I'm wrapping up tonight, and I'm really, really excited about wrapping this up tonight. And um, I want to begin tonight by talking about uh, humans having the tendency to forget. I don't know if you know that or not, but all humans have a tendency to forget things. And, and you've got to get on board with that tonight. You've got to understand that we naturally are going to forget things over time. And just for example, um, just a little crowd participation here. And just to help motivate you on the participation, I'm giving away Chick-fil-A gift cards, okay? $10 Chick-fil-A gift cards, okay? Um, so who in the room can tell me what the name of the first series of the semester was for this, for the living room, this, this year. First series of the semester, right here was the first hand I saw. Do it scared, scared. you got it, you got got that. So do it scared, hey, you got a good memory, that's good. So um, I need a lady in the room. Uh, A lady can tell me who spoke in week two of that series. Who spoke in week two? Is there a lady in the room? Ooh, no hands, oh yeah, right here. What's your name? Maddie. Maddie, who spoke? It was Tony, way to go, good stuff, good stuff. Okay, all right, and then I need somebody who's never been to the living room before. Where are you, Is anybody never been to the living room? What's your name? JP, JP, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Brad, it's nice to meet you. So I wrote this note to myself because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget this line tonight. You don't have to answer any question, but, but I just want you to know the way you think determines the way you live. The way you think determines the way you live. So this is what we're gonna talk about tonight. The way you think determines the way you live. And the word I want you to think about is remember. But before we get to that word, I wanna tell you why we forget so much, okay? And there's this word called transience. Transience, we're gonna put it up here. And transience is the tendency to forget facts or events over time. Over time, we forget things. And you're most likely to forget information soon after you learn it. So if you don't put it into practice, you're not gonna learn it. And tonight is about us remembering, okay? And we're gonna dive into this verse, uh, two verses in the book of Romans. And, and we're in this series wrapping up Unashamed part four. I get the wrap up tonight. And these two verses I'm so excited about. Tim Keller is the scholar and pastor in New York City. He says, these two verses sum up the Christian life. They sum up the Christian life. So if you're here tonight and you don't know much about Christianity, first of all, we wanna say we're so glad that you're here. And if you're curious about Christianity, I think tonight we'll explain it to you. And I'm super excited about that. But if you're here tonight and you're struggling with following Jesus or you're struggling with things in your life, I think these two verses will help you understand that. But before we dive into the verses, I want us to review And uh, the way I want us to review is I want us to begin with the very first word that is in verse one of chapter 12 of the book of Romans. And that word is therefore. That's the word, therefore. And so we're gonna talk about this, therefore. And we've had this series um, over the last three weeks. Um, We've been uh, building each week on top of each other. And when you have the word, therefore, you're supposed to ask the question, who knows what the question is? What's the, 
What's the therefore, therefore? Yeah, I got some people in the back helping. What's the therefore, therefore? Anytime you see that in scripture, you need to know to ask that question because you cannot move ahead until you look behind. And this word comes in chapter 12. And so we've got to look back over the first 11 chapters. And, but just to sum up the first 11 chapters, we're going to look at um, what uh, the first three weeks of this series has been about. And in week one, Ryan said, the problem of sin in us required the power of God beyond us. The problem of sin in us required the power of God beyond us. In week two, Heath was here. And Heath said that sin is not my master. That because of Jesus, we are set free from sin and sin is not my master. That we are free from sin and the power of sin. And then last week, Lauren, Lauren, who's one of my favorite communicators on the earth. Did she not do incredible last week? I just told her, I just said to Lauren, I said, Lauren, I love it when you speak because you're so honest and real and vulnerable and you tell the funniest stories. And uh, I love it. She was talking about being in love and gonna marry Zac Efron last week. That was incredible. And I just wanna have a whole conversation with her about it now. So, but um, walk, she said this, walk by the spirit by surrendering, being attentive to and trusting the spirit of God. Now that's like, if you're here tonight and that's like, you're like, what's that? It's like, because of our faith in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us. He is our guide, he's our comforter, and he leads us as we live life. That's really, really important. And she's, so she's saying, hey, you've got to be attentive to the Spirit of God in you. So if we were gonna sum up the last three weeks, this is how I would sum up actually the book of Romans. I'd say the gospel is the power and the plan of God to make right what man has made wrong. The gospel is the power and the plan of God to make right what man has made wrong. That's where we begin. Paul said, I am unashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. That in the gospel, in the good news, that there is power that we can be set free and saved. And that is all in the work of God. And so... The gospel is the power and the plan of God to make right what man has made wrong. And what, what I'm saying in that is there's another word behind the book of Romans, the letter of Romans, and it's the word justified. And if you were gonna sum up the theme of Romans, it's that you were justified by the power of God. And so I just translate that as you were made right before God because of what Jesus has done, because of what God has done in the gift of Jesus. And so we're going to keep going here in this verse. Therefore, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And so that's what we've been talking about the last three weeks is God's mercy. And what do you mean? How, how have we been talking about that? Well, there's these verses that we've looked at over the last few weeks. One of them is, while we were still sinners, Christ died. While we were still sinners, Christ died. That's mercy. You deserve something else and you got Christ. That's, that's mercy. The next one, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's mercy. And then therefore, there is now no condemnation. This is one of my favorite verses. There is, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's mercy. Mercy is compassion 
shown to the offender. Mercy is compassion shown to the offender. And so we have offended God by our sin. We were born into sin. We didn't have a chance from the beginning. There was nothing we could do to earn our way. And we were born separated from God. And mercy is compassion shown to the offender. And what God did was he gave us his son. And so we deserve God's wrath, but we got the gift of his son. And so if you have seen the cross and the power of cross and the power of God in the cross, and you've seen the death and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and you've come to understand that, and you understand that he defeated the power of sin and death at the cross by being raised from from the dead, the tomb is empty. That's really, really good news. That's in view of God's mercy. That's understanding the mercy of God. We'll keep going here. In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies, so, so to offer your entire being as a living sacrifice. Now, this is a really weird term for us today because we don't know what a sacrifice is. But to who Paul was writing in Rome, the Christians in Rome, they understood what a sacrifice was because before Jesus, there was always a sacrifice. In fact, followers of God, the people of God, would take an animal to the temple and they would give the animal to the priests as a sacrifice for their sins. And so he says, you need to be a living sacrifice. And this is such a weird term to them. Because it's like, what do you mean a living sacrifice? How can you be alive when you're supposed to sacrifice something that now is going to be dead? And he's saying, that's exactly my point. You were dead in your sins and transgressions, but you were made alive in Christ. You are now spiritually alive. And now that you're spiritually alive, your life is to be a sacrifice. The way you live, the way you talk to people, the way you go to work, the way you go through your day, that is going to be now a sacrifice that is alive. That's what he's saying. That's all it is. But in case we don't understand what that is, he defines that for us in the next two phrases. He says, holy and pleasing to God. Now, holy is a huge word. And I get that. And you're like, well, I'm not, I don't feel holy. You are holy if you've put your faith in Jesus. You're like, I don't feel holy. You are holy because Jesus is in you and he is your righteousness. But holy also means to be set apart, to be consecrated. And so what he's saying, if you're gonna be a living sacrifice that you've got to set your life apart for God. And then he adds this qualifier and pleasing to God. And this one is tough because it's not like you can earn your way. And I don't want you to misunderstand that, but let me just explain it this way. Tonight, when I leave here, I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna drive to Roswell, Georgia. That's where I live. And I'm gonna have about 30 minutes in the car. And in my 30 minutes in the car, I'm gonna have a conversation with God. And I'm gonna say, God, was tonight pleasing to you? was tonight pleasing to you? Is what I did on that stage tonight, was it pleasing to you? And we're gonna have a conversation about it. 
And I don't know how it's gonna go. I'll be honest with you. Maybe I should come up to you and get your opinion, your feedback. I know I can talk to some of these residents in the back, get some feedback from them. I see you back there. But, but here's the thing for me. As I evaluate it, I wanna know that this was pleasing because this is what I do. My job is to be a part of the college ministry and I want this to be pleasing to God because that's the most important audience for us. And so did I procrastinate? Did I prepare well? Did I watch too much football on Saturday? Was that pleasing to God? And you're like, well, I'm not going into ministry. And I, I get that. Listen, most of you in the room are not gonna be called into full-time ministry, but all of you have a calling on your life. And this applies to you too. You don't have to be in ministry to ask, was it pleasing to God? How many of you right now work in a part-time job to pay, make your way through school? Part-time job, show of hands, get them up. Yeah, that's great. How many of you, be honest with me real quick, don't like your job? You just don't like it, but it pays the bills. Yeah, I get that. I want you to think about when you leave your job, when you put in six hours, eight hours at your part-time job to pay the bills, it's a great question to ask. Hey God, did I, did my, was my work pleasing to you today? Did I please you today? And the way that I acted and talked to the customers that came in, that, the way I interacted with my boss, did I have a great attitude? Because that's when you're a living sacrifice, you're setting yourself apart to honor God in the way that you live. And in case we don't understand it, he goes on, he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And this is the weird part of the message because this word right here, this word spiritual is really hard to translate into English. In fact, in the entire New Testament, this word is only found two times, one of them here, the other one in the book of Peter. And there's not a good word for it in the English language. It's like, what is it? And so what, what is this spiritual act of worship? That's a big phrase, but spiritual, it's an all encompassing word that they just said, this is the best way to translate it. And basically what he's saying, if you're gonna be a living sacrifice set apart for God and pleasing to God is that you would have appropriate worship. It would be appropriate. And in some ways you could say that the animal sacrifice before that, the Jews were having to do, it never seemed appropriate enough because it was never final. It was never over. And, and what, what Paul is saying here is he's saying the spiritual act of worship, it's appropriate, it's reasonable. It is good worship. Well, are you saying that there's bad worship? Yes, there could be bad worship. The, 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 the thing about this phrase is you can externally show worship. You can raise your hands and sing songs to God and celebrate God. But internally, your life might not be matching up with that truth. There might be things that you're dealing with. There might be things that you're not being honest about. And what this phrase is, it's saying it's all encompassing your entire life, your entire body, soul, mind, and spirit is a pleasing and set apart sacrifice for God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? We keep going in verse two. 
Oh, sorry, I, I missed this. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Can we go back to that phrase? When you have seen God's mercy, you are inspired to set your life apart for God. When you've seen the cross, when you've seen and experienced and tasted the mercy of God, you're inspired to set your life apart for God. Verse two, here we go. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so he starts off and says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And conformed is, is a shaping, it's a molding. It's like your life should not be shaped like the world that you shouldn't behave like, you shouldn't act like, you shouldn't look like the way the world looks by the way that you live your life. It's, it should be more than that. And he says, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And so the, the difference between conformed, conformed is outward. And again, transformed is this inward transformation. It is your being, your soul, your spirit, your heart. It's a deep inward Transformation. He says, so you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so how do you renew your mind? How do you renew your mind? You renew your mind by remembering the mercy of God. That's what renewing your mind is. Remembering the mercy of God. Now this, this breaks down a bit, a little bit, because... Part of you, some of you in the room need to renew your mind by teaching your mind new things. But at the end of the day, all the things that you're gonna be teaching your mind and, and the ways that you're gonna renew your mind are gonna fall under the umbrella of the mercies of God. So renewing requires remembering. Renewing requires remembering. What, is it, what do you remember? You remember the mercy of God. When you've seen God's mercy, the result of remembering God's mercy, the result is the rest of this verse. And it says um, that then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And the result of renewing your mind is that you will be able to understand and agree with how God wants us to live that you'll be able to understand and agree with how God wants us to live. There's so many uh, phrases that connect with how to live in this passage, in these two little verses. And what it boils down to is I want us to remember or remembering the mercies of God. Let's put that up. Remembering the mercies of God inspires right living. And there's so many phrases in these two verses that have to deal with living right living. And I, I've said right living here because when it comes down to being a living sacrifice, it's about your life honoring God, your life glorifying God. But it's also about you, uh, your spiritual act of worship, that your worship would be appropriate, that it'd be reasonable, not irrational, they would line up with the truth of what you're declaring by the way that you're living. And then the final part of this phrase, which we're not gonna fully un unpack, is that, that when you start living right, you're gonna be able to understand 
how to test and approve what God's will is. And I know most of you in the room have questions about God's will for your life. And I'm telling you right now, the older you get, it's not gonna get any simpler. And I mean, I know you're like, I'm still trying to figure out my major and I get that. You're trying to figure out your major and it's like, I have changed my major twice and I still don't know if I'm in the right major and I'm so far in, I'm just gonna finish my degree this way. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be okay. It really will. But if you wanna test and know God's will for your life, I promise you, you need to remember the mercies of God. And as you remind yourselves of the mercy of God and get in the habit of reminding yourself of what He has done for you, everything else is gonna fall into place. So before we send you off to to small groups to discuss this tonight, I just wanna um, ask you two things. Is there someone in the room tonight, maybe you're here for the very first time and you have never grasped the mercies of God and you're like, I get it. Jesus died for me and I need a savior. In just a moment, I want you to have a, a chance to respond to that. And for the very first time for that you would put your faith in Jesus. And for others of you, you're here tonight and you love being here and you've been coming and, and you've been following God. But right now, you, if you were asked the question, is your life pleasing to God? As soon as you ask the question, you're convicted because you know that there is something in your life that you need to deal with. And I would love for you to just lay that down tonight and deal with it. There's no reason for you to carry it around anymore. I'm just gonna tell you right now, Jesus has already paid for it. And he sees you right where you are tonight. And he's for you and he loves you and he wants you to stop beating yourself up about it. And he wants you to move on. And so we're gonna pray in just a moment. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to both of those things. And then we're gonna have some announcements and send you out to small groups. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these students and I thank you so much for your love for them. And I thank you for the mercy that you have displayed all of us, that you've created us, that you've given us life and breath and you've given us an enormous privilege that we could come to a place like this and celebrate you and talk about you and learn about you. And Father, I just pray for the student that has never understood your love for them. And they've never seen the cross in a way that's fully made sense until tonight. And so if that's you in the room, would you just raise your hand right now if you wanna put your faith in Jesus for the first time? Just let me see that, every, every eye is closed. That's awesome. Anybody else? want to put their faith in Jesus for the first time tonight? Just keep your hand up. That's great. Anybody else? 
So for those of you um, who've just put your hand up, will you just pray with me right here in your heart? You can just pray these words. Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you that he died on a cross for my sin. I thank you he defeated the power of sin and death. And I believe in Jesus and I put my faith in him today as my Lord and Savior. For the others of you in the room, I just want to ask if you know right now there's stuff in your life that's not pleasing to God and you want to deal with it tonight. Can I just see a show of hands if that's you tonight in the room and just keep them up for just a second. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your courage in that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for mercy. We would not be here if it wasn't for your mercy and we all need it. Every single one of us, even, even the ones that didn't put our hands up. I, my, my hands should be up. I need your mercy and I wanna be pleasing to you. But God, I just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that's been poured out at the cross for us. And I pray by your Holy Spirit right now that you would comfort every hand that went up that they would know that you are for them, that you are with them, that you are in them. And that you're gonna lead them in whatever they're dealing with, whatever struggle it is, that you're gonna lead them out of that by the power that raised Jesus from the dead that's in us by the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate that tonight. And Father, I pray for everybody in this room, leaders, students, band members, all of us, God, that we would be on fire for you and that our lives would be a living sacrifice that honors and glorifies and reflects you in this world that we live in. And that we all would be pleasing to you, our loving heavenly Father. So as we go to small group tonight, as we leave this place tonight and go back to our lives, would you help us to remember your mercy? And would we respond to it by living for you? In Jesus' name, amen.